For those who know every line, and for those finding Star Wars for the very first time, welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And today we're covering Season 1, Episodes 2 and 3 of The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. Cut and Run and Replacements. Both 90s songs or bands. Are they? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. I missed that. Today is a really exciting day. Or I guess yesterday was a really exciting day because... Sam bought his first car since college, and it looks like an A-Wing. <laughs> Not yet. I'm getting some stickers on it, though. Some little decals. Yeah, but we don't even get to A-Wings for like 20 years. So I know, but I'm excited about it. them. Okay, so plot of Cut and Run, which is episode two of season one. When we left off with our heroes, the Bad Batch, they were headed to a mysterious sector, J-19, and we find out that they're actually headed to Seleucami. Which is awesome to spell in your notes, by the way. <laughs> I have five variations. None of them are correct. Same. We remember Seleucami from the Clone Wars because that is where the deserter Cutla Queen lives with his beautiful wife and his adorable children. Mm-hmm. The Bad Batch lands, they traipse through a, you know, I want to call it a cornfield, but this is Star Wars, so maybe it's a cornfield with a Q? Yeah. 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 A cornfield. And they immediately set off one of Sue and Cut's booby traps. They get back to the cabin, and they find out several things. One... Captain Rex passed through Seleucami yesterday. He done come through here yesterday. <laughs> going who knows where. Mm-hmm. Typical of male friendships, Cutler Queen did not ask what he was doing or where he was going. I mean, obviously he was up to sketchy stuff. And Cut's like, I have kids, so you don't tell me I don't know. End of transaction. I have no children. <laughs> I, inquiring minds want to know. I want to know what Rex was up to. Okay. Other thing that they find out. The Bad Batch visits Cut Queen enough that the kids call Wrecker Uncle Wrecker. He's their big fun uncle. Just like, kill me now. I'll never feel this much joy again. Everyone this is wants, fantastic. Everyone wants a comically oversized fun uncle who like will carry you over your shoulder when you're 19. Yes, I, I'm everyone. <laughs> uh, final thing that they find out, Omega just wants to go play with the kids She first looks at Hunter to see if it is okay, and he gives her a little nod. So Hunter is officially Omega's daddy. Yep. And I love this for her. This is an absolute delight. (laughs) So things are getting pretty dicey on Seleucami. So far, it's been pretty much untouched by the Clone Wars, untouched by the Galactic Empire taking over. But Cut is actually headed into town to get transport somewhere else because there's so many clone troopers moving in. Unfortunately, Seleucami is finally feeling the effects of the Empire taking over because citizens are now being required to sign up for chain codes so they can trade in their invalid Republic credits for Imperial credits. And Sam, you know how much I love to talk about Star Wars currency. Yeah. This is very exciting. (laughs) 
So this is a really smart way of tracking people and also marginalizing people who are on the wrong side of the law. Cut Queen as a deserter from the Republic clone army cannot sign up for chain codes. Yep. So back at the ranch, there's a small interlude where Omega chases after a ball and almost gets eaten by a hungry lizard. It is actually a reek, which is one of the beasts. It's the beast that tried to kill Padme in episode two. Oh, I thought it looked familiar. Yep. It does become evident that Cutla Queen is the best dad in Star Wars. And he's trying to give Hunter dad advice. Yeah, because Hunter's yelling at Omega. He's like, how could you do this? And Cutla Queen, you know, kneels down in front of her and is like, oh, honey, you okay? You safe? That's all that matters. And Hunter's like, it turns out that I am not intrinsically a daddy, (laughs) just a dad. (laughs) Or vice versa. (laughs) Or vice versa. (laughs) The important bit is that Hunter decides that maybe Omega should go away with Cut and Sue when they go off planet. Meanwhile, Tech is working on forging chain codes for the family to get away. Mm Mm-hmm. He also calls the authorities to have them impound their ship with them on it because it seems like the best way to get away. However, Omega was pouting in the ship. So Tech and Echo and Omega are in the ship when it's impounded. She wasn't pouting. She was crying in the cockpit, which was hashtag relatable. Fair. All right. Most relatable thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. (laughs) We get to see Echo being a hacker boy. They land in the impound lot and Echo spanners in and steals a bunch of empty chain code USB fobs and then Tech forges the codes and then they all get caught by a bunch of clone troopers while they're trying to get the ship free. They start a whole firefight. So Omega has to go deliver the chain codes to Sue and Cut and the kiddos. And Hunter tells Omega that she needs to go with Cut and Sue so she can have a real family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was actually crying for a couple of minutes until guess what? She comes back. She skitters her way back to the Bad Batch. They blast their way out of the impound dock. Everyone gets off planet safely, including Cut and Sue. And then Hunter tells Omega, if this is where you want to be, then this is where you'll stay. Mm -hmm. And that was season one, episode two of the Bad Batch, and I'm crying and I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, the show brings me such joy. So as they're leaving Seleucami, their ship is shot up pretty well, which comes into play in the next episode, Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 3, Replacements. Mm -hmm. So we start off, we're flying through space, rations are low, Wrecker is hungry, Omega doesn't even have a place to sleep, she's just sitting there on the gonk droid that Wrecker uses for lifts. Like and watching games. YouTube videos. Yeah, she's just having fun. And Wrecker, Hunter has to yell at Wrecker that like, she doesn't have a place to sleep. You you have, you have can't just take her food. Come on. And he's like, okay. Meanwhile, the ship is falling apart. Echo is running around fixing things. Tech is flying. They're yelling at each other. And Tech says, no critical systems are damaged. Right as they crunch out of hyperspace, he's like, life support still works. Chill out, guys. There is peak comedic timing in this episode. (laughs) They crash on the Ordo moon where you cannot breathe. And a fun situation ensues while where they have to acquire one of the replacement parts that's somewhere in their ship, install it, but a mystery ensues. Meanwhile, the B-plot. 
Crosshair is getting his brain zap re-upped, and we meet Admiral Rampart, who is uh, actually the guy in charge of the chain codes. We saw him last episode in a hologram telling everyone to get your chain codes here. But Rampart has a plan, which is have volunteers working for clones. They're called the Elite Squad. They're called the Elite Squad. They're put under crosshair and they're given a task to go finish what the Bad Batch was supposed to do on Onderon and kill Sagarera. You might say they are the replacements <laughs> to the clone troopers. Well, also, they're looking for a replacement part on the Ordo Moon. Yeah. It's a pun. It's a pun. It's strongly thematically tied together and I love it. So on Onderon, the attack goes really well. They're able to shoot their way in and have a, a fantastic time, inflict a whole bunch of violence, and Saw has already left. So one of the partisans is there. She says, I don't know where Saw is, and even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Crosshair shoots her. Point blank. Point blank and says, I believe you. And then the snippy elite squad, who is like, I don't know why a clone's in charge. He has a very, like, uh cw tv show voice i don't know he's got a whole cw look he, yeah, these, yeah he looks like pre vizsla's younger brother they, they spent a lot of time getting the facial expressions on all the clones correct and then they added these guys like we're only gonna see their faces for two minutes <laughs> they're all very beautiful anyway he's like yeah we aren't gonna shoot civilians what yeah we're we're the good guys we're, we're here to you know install the empire and crosshair we're soldiers like, not an execution and crosshair is like wrong shoots him point blank and says finish the job and then one of the elite squad flamethrowers all the civilians you want to know why they put me in charge because i'm willing to do what needs to be done good soldiers follow orders exactly so on the ordo moon what has happened is this capacitor has been yoinked by an ordo moon dragon it's an energy sucking moon lizard yeah and it's i don't know about the size of a wolf it's good sized and it runs off. So Hunter is going to go out and track it. And Omega says, you said I was part of the squad. I'm coming with you. Because Wrecker is having really bad headaches. Tech and Echo are doing repairs. That's the whole squad. So Hunter is tracking the Ordo Moon Dragon. And Omega's like, can I learn how to track like you? And Hunter's like, great question. <laughs> Probably not, honestly. We're going to put a question mark on that. They get to some energy source when the Ordo Moon Dragon strikes back and rips the mask off of Hunter's face. Hunter is lying gasping on the ground. Omega puts the mask back on, but Hunter's still knocked unconscious. And Omega can't get anyone on the radio. And she says, I got to follow through with the mission. So she grabs Hunter's flashlight and pistol, and she crawls into these tunnels where the Ordo Moon Dragon lives. Omega really said, I'm going to slither into the lizard tunnel and finish the mission. Yep. Oh, I love her. So she crawls down there, just no fear, having watched this. This Ordo Moon Dragon has left claw marks on the outside of their ship. It is the length of at least two Omegas. Yes, she gets in there, and first she finds that it hates flashlights. The, the brightness is too bright for it, and so it shies away. And secondly, she finds it's attracted to energy. So she grabs the she throws her flashlight as bait, grabs the capacitor, and climbs up and 
they all escape happily ever after. Would you say she gave the moon lizard a replacement for the Uh, capacitor? Because I would. uh, Meanwhile, back at the ship, Wrecker says, I did something for you. And he reveals that the rear turret of the ship has been turned into a little Omega nest with lights and a doll and blankets. And it's just a cozy little nest. Oh, my God, I can't. But in the beef plot, Crosshair comes back to the Bad Batch barracks on Camino. Rampart's like, it looks like you're a soldier down. And Crosshair's like, these things happen. And they, I I had to kill him. He was lame. And they go back to the Bad Batch barracks. Crosshair's looking at the cool skulls on the wall, all the trash, the droid parts, the scratches in the wall. He goes and sits in his bunk as the elite squad sits down and, you know, racks in. And Crosshair just stares, realizing that his home is no longer a home and Omega has a home on the ship. Also... I would say back on Camino, there are plans being laid on both sides. Yes. The Empire, Tarkin and Rampart, are planning to make the clones obsolete with the new elite squads. And the Kaminoans are freaking out and decide to enter phase two, whatever that is. So harken back to when, like, season one of the Clone Wars. They're like, we don't have enough Jango Fett juice. And so (laughs) uh, they need one of the pure sources... And none of them are there, but they're apparently available. Mm -hmm. They need the new genetic material because the Django juice is losing steam. Yep. So what do you want to talk about? Let's start with Cut and Run because it's fun. It's it's kind of a filler episode, but it's kind of a growth episode. Oh, my God. It's really not. I loved it so much. Yeah. Well, it starts with them in space running from things. It ends with them in space running from things. But... What they're doing is forming up with a network of other clones. They're learning a lot. And this idea of a chain code is a really, really interesting one. And I love it. And we'll talk about it at length if you let me. Mm, Me too. I have many notes about the chain codes. I was very pleased with the stakes of Cut and Run. You know, this is essentially to me the Clone Wars season eight. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we're deliberately seeing a lot of threads tied between the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars, especially with Cut LaQueen, Mm -hmm. who came back from season two of the Clone Wars. And I didn't always feel in the Clone Wars that we got to level set the drama, Mm -hmm. especially by seasons three and four. You know, there's always a rebellion with the fate of the planet at stake or Someone was fighting an insurgency to reclaim their throne. The stakes were so high. But this episode of The Bad Batch was about trying to get a family on a bus out of town. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the stakes were higher because there's like horrifying monsters. And then there's a big gunfight at the end. Although obviously The Bad Batch is going to have no problems with that. But yeah, I, I really agree. And cut has shown he's so different from the other clones that he's really just a father and a you know a farm dad now and it shows he has aged a fair bit since season two he has i wonder what's up with that but the way he interacts with hunter with the rest of the bad batch is very droll he very much sees himself 
different from other clones. It's just like an accident of birth now that he is a clone. So can we surmise that Cut either doesn't have an inhibitor chip or it didn't go off during Order 66? So we know that it actually requires a signal to be sent. Oh. And so not like an electronic signal, but someone needs to tell him to do it. And even if he did do it, then, you know, he's just on a farm somewhere. Like, what's he going to do? Be like, yeah, there's no Jedi around here. I guess I'm just going to act normal. Yeah, maybe that's the point of Seleucami being so untouched by the war, is Mm. that Cut has been able to be so far away from the action. And now that there's action coming to him, he's actively fleeing from it. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says to Hunter. He's like, you want to know how to disappear? You need to go to a remote planet and find a different way to make a living. Yeah, stop being a soldier. Mm -hmm. And that's a really... That's something that Hunter is not willing to do yet. And you see that in their clothing and their armor. The Bad Batch is still wearing their armor all the time. And Cut is like, here's my t-shirt, you know? Well, that's, I think, one of the big lessons for Hunter, right? When Omega almost gets eaten by the Reek Mm -hmm. and Hunter is speaking to her like he would speak to one of the Bad Batch. Cut says she's not a soldier. You don't need to talk to her like that, right? And I think even if Hunter's not willing to give up being a soldier, he is learning from Cut Queen because on the Ordo Moon, after Omega comes back with the capacitor, the first thing he says when he sees her is, are you okay? Yeah. He learned how to be a better daddy from Cut Queen. He learned a lot. And there's a couple of moments. It felt like Sue and Cut were like giving him as much parenting advice as they could, as fast as they could. Downloading it into his yeah. brain. They're like, we don't know how much time we have with you, but we're just going to like talk, talk, talk and get Kids you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Are they okay? That's the most important thing. Their job is to explore and have fun and make trouble. And our job is to protect them. Exactly. And I think Hunter took it all really to heart. He did. And then later on, that relationship between Hunter and Omega on the Ordo Moon is super cool because Hunter has up until now been turning Omega down for everything. But he realizes, hey, we're going out. We're hunting a dog. Like, it's a reasonably safe thing. And I'm sure I can handle any danger. So let's let's do this. It'll be a fun father-daughter hunting expedition. Oh my god, that's so sweet. I think I think that if I were in Hunter's shoes, I would not have been able to let her do it. Yeah. I think I would be very much at risk of being a helicopter mom, but Hunter's pretty great about it. And what I like about the Ordo Moon dragon hunting mission is that it probably actually could not have been solved with a blaster. Unless they were able to kill the Ordo Moon Dragon. But if it's sucking in energy, maybe that makes it stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I like is that Omega solved this problem with gentleness Mm -hmm. and cleverness and being small enough to slither down a a dragon tunnel. Yeah, there's, um, there's like 
Vietnam vibes there. There are always are when when Hunter's in play. I know he never takes off his Rambo bandana. So he always looks like he's in First Blood, and so much. Well, not a huge amount, but a lot of the Vietnam War, like special forces, which is like what Rambo was doing, is crawling around in tunnels because the North Vietnamese drove dug tunnels everywhere to hide from American planes. Wow! And so, like going into tunnels is such a dangerous thing, and. There's Hunter doing it. Or rather, there's Omega doing it because Hunter got knocked out. Yeah. It was interesting to feel called so far back to season two of The Clone Wars because I actually went back into my research from the Deserter arc. And I found a bunch of stills from season two. And man, The Clone Wars was so beautiful back in 2009. It really was. Uh, There is a notable change in Sue's outfit. She's wearing clothes now (laughs) she's wearing clothes now she has a big hat yeah i will honestly cuts sideburns in the bad batch are a little unfortunate he was marginally better looking in the clone wars well that actually comes to a head as they're getting to the spaceport one of the clone troopers recognizes cut yeah unfortunately the bad batch was putting on a gunfight for everyone but he needs to look as different from a clone as possible. You know? So, yeah, he's got, you know, the widow's peak and the sideburns and the farmer belly. And yeah, although he's still ripped there as they're going to as they're moving, as they're picking up their entire life and moving. He's carrying some huge case over his shoulder like it weighs nothing. I know. It's so good. So while we're on the topic of cut and run, I want to talk about these chain codes. Chain codes. I was so mad about them. Yeah. And then StarWars.com was like, yeah, they're just like a social security number in the U.S. And I was like, wait a second. So, I mean, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Not no. (laughs) There's there's a problem with social security numbers in, in that there isn't actually enough for every American who's ever lived. And they're somewhat publicly facing, but we use them as private keys, which is dumb tell me your thoughts tell me your thoughts so the chain codes are super interesting in the larger uh prime universe narrative where we live that is because bad batch comes after mando and oh the mandalorian the mandalorian introduced chain codes as you are tracking a specific person which apparently you can do with a key fob which is something crazy and you're looking for a specific individual furthermore it is later revealed that you can use a chain code to prove one's identity, mm-hmm. which would indicate that it is some sort of like encrypted or chained and presumably blockchain thing, which connects like an identity and all of the things that that person has done so that they can prove who they are, which is a really cool idea. It is ingenious for many reasons. It's a system that does at least three things. Mm -hmm. It tracks the law-abiding population who wants to eat and have a job and be able to use legal tender. And transfer between space. and, And go away from their planet. It makes it easier to track down the population who was law-abiding and then turned against the law. Mm -hmm. 
because now you have a record of them. And then the third thing is that it forces the already not law-abiding population into starvation because they can no longer use money. Right. So that's an interesting way of introducing something is saying, hey, we're no longer using old money. Now we're using new money in order to transfer at a good rate. You have to sign up for X, Y, Z. In terms of international relations and politics and coups and legitimacy Mm -hmm. of new governments, this is very clever. Yeah, yeah. The currency conversion type of thing is a great uptick. There's a lot of other very recent science fiction that relates to this type of thing, notably Stealing Worlds by Carl Schroeder or Fall or Dodge in Hell by Neil Stephenson. Both of those have really cool things with this identity that is electronically signed and inviolate. And Mm. I think that's super cool and useful when used in a utopian setting. In a dystopian setting, obviously, it's a tool of oppression. Yes, this has been weaponized already. It's very cool, though, to add this level of technology to Star Wars and Star Warsify it in that, like, so... Echo's running around and he gets to do cool Echo stuff, which I loved in Cut and Run. He sneaks along, he's he scomps in, he opens a bunch of stuff. He's just like, I can open doors, I can steal stuff, I grab this. And he's sneaking around and having a great time. I love it. And apparently you need just a big USB stick. That, it looks like a CD yeah, or it looks like a tape cassette. It does. That contains your chain code and then it can be scanned and show yes this is you and i think that's just a it's a really cool thing to have it be simultaneously physical and connected and have like some long-term viability it's a very uniquely star wars high technology low technology mix which yeah i picked up on that too because we talk all the time about how it seems like in star wars there's no file sharing Nope. That's why you can steal the plans to the Death Star and then suddenly the plans no longer exist for anybody else because you have the USB with the plans, which I love because it's a great plot device. Mm-hmm. And so it is really fun to say, okay, this is Star Wars. We know how technology works in the galaxy. Yeah, It is possible to steal the, the plans to the Death Star and they no longer exist for anybody else. But we also want to connect the entire galaxy. So how do we do file sharing and physical storage? Yeah. This is how we do it. Yeah. And so it's it's hand wavy, but it's really cool. And it's cool to explore it. It's explored very well in Mandalorian season one and season two. Mm. And also we start to explore it a bit here, as you said, as part of being an outlaw means you're just not signed up for society at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's... um. You know, that's a that's a pressing thing in our society because you are the Bad Batch is now undocumented. They are. And what I was thinking about is that this system even goes a step further than mm-hmm. being undocumented in U.S. society because cash can be used as legal tender by anybody. You don't need a social security number to pay for things in cash. But it seems like galactic credits having replaced republic credits are not unmarked they're they're not cash they're not cash they're tied to a system yeah and so the other bit is 
that is why so much of the Star Wars stories take place in the Outer Rim, because the Galactic Republic and later the Empire only control a small segment of the middle. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that that segment is where a huge majority of the population lives and works, but there is a bunch going on on the outside. However, when you are on the outside, you have to deal with syndicates and huts and all these people who have instituted systems where they have traded the security for insecurity, but they've traded the tracking for anonymity. Ooh, they've traded security for freedom mm-hmm. and safety for potential. Yes. The potential to get eaten by a rancor if you displease your hut daimyo. Yeah. There you go. Hey, fair is fair. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about Omega. Omega. Because I love her. My name is Omega. I don't know how to play ball. It's I've never so been sad. on a planet before. What oh is the sun? What is this? That's dirt. It's, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> no, because Omega takes the childlike wonder of being a kiddo to a whole new level. Yeah. Because she's only ever seen Camino. Which sucks. I mean, Camino does. Camino. Camino is beautiful from the outside and so crappy from the inside. What do you think Camino and children are like? Extremely lanky and very <laughs> sheltered. They're just born that tall. It's yeah. like a 14-hour like birthing process because you're giving birth to an eight-foot-long, two-inch-wide baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> or or do you think they're real short and they just get taller and taller as they no, grow? That's horrifying. <laughs> they're born the size of regular like human babies, and instead of getting bigger, they just get lankier. They're just Jack and the Beanstalk they just, up. They just get taller and taller. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to Omega. <laughs> No, because the Bad Batch lands on Seleucami and she is amazed and delighted by dirt and sunlight. And I was like, I feel you, girl. I am also amazed by dirt and sunlight when I have been cooped up inside for too long. Yeah, I remember being a kid and where I grew up, there's a whole bunch of uh, limestone and loess and shale and sandstone and some of it's got really cool wave fossils that outcrop. So you have like a rock that's got a, a, a ripple pattern in it. And this rock is pretty degenerate. It falls apart in your hands when you break it. And I would just go out and play with the rocks. Mm-hmm. And granted, I later became a geophysicist. But <laughs> like, it's still cool to look at different types of dirt and rocks and how they behave in different conditions. And so I'd imagine the first time you see it, it's so easy as an adult to ignore the world around you in exchange for the things that happen in the world. Yeah. But when you're a child, you have interesting things going on underneath you and you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's important yet. Yeah. Everything is interesting and everything is important because you have never experienced it before. That's why people say that time seems to speed up as you get older because when you're younger, Every year is a bigger slice of your pie. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're six years old, your pie only has six slices. If you're 28 years old, you have 28 slices in your pie. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) It is my birthday. (laughs) I just, you know, the way that Omega was interacting with Seleucami, 
just made me think about how psyched she would be if all she got to do was travel the galaxy with her big brothers and experience everything for the first time. And I feel like Hunter is realizing that that would be really cool, but he still has a call to action. And so does Wrecker and so does Tech and so does Echo. They're still figuring out what that action looks like. Yeah, we don't actually know where they're going. No, no. I don't know that they know where they're going. They don't really have a plan. Yeah. There's a few funny moments where uh, Cut is explaining to the Bad Batch. He's like, yeah, something about an inhibitor chip. And Echo's, or Tech is like, yeah, of course, it's an inhibitor chip in our brains. And Amiga's like, yes. Didn't you guys know that? And they're like, no. And Tech is like, well, how else did you think it worked? Yeah, like, are you guys dumb? Like, don't answer that. And <laughs> There is so much comedy in The Bad Batch. I find myself giggling so much more than I ever did in The Clone Wars. It is a funny show. It's a warm show. Yeah. The Clone Wars was not warm. And I finally figured it out last night. Because I was like, if we were getting the same level of loveliness in the Clone Wars that we get in the Bad Batch, I would have just melted into a puddle. And as much as I love the Clone Wars, I was not usually melting into a puddle like I am for the Bad Batch. And I can see how we were focused on the Jedi and they were so restrained. They did not love each other this hard. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship between all the clones is really interesting. In replacements, when they're looking for parts, Omega does the AZ thing and is like, is this it? And she pulls out a box. And Wrecker's like, oh, it's Crosshair's box. And Wrecker's like, I'll just say it. I miss him. (laughs) And everyone's like, shut up, Wrecker. We miss him too. But they're also like, he shot you. He's like, lots of people shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that hurt. (laughs) (laughs) But... That's an interesting lead on to the A plot and B plot difference in replacements. So in the A plot, Omega is learning how to work with the Bad Batch. They're missing crosshair. They're having this found family. And also it's, you know, I imagine for Tech and Echo, because they can they're a little strained. They're a little They're bantery. They're a little annoyed with each other at all times. They're they're annoyed with each other. They're annoyed with Hunter because Hunter's like, fix it. And they're like, look, I'm busy. <laughs> like, do you not see me fixing stuff? We are an IT department of two, and yeah. you keep breaking the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Echo says, I would could really use some help, Tech. And Tech's like, I'm building a brain scanner to make sure our inhibitor chips oh are, don't God. betray us. Literally, Echo is like, the ship is falling apart. And Tech is like, I'm doing high-level R&D right now. Yeah. You cannot interrupt <laughs> me. Like, I could use a hand here. but um, <laughs> Yeah, because I only have one. <laughs> but com- compare that to the B-plot with Crosshair. And... Crosshair is playing it very cool the entire time. He has his mask on most of the time. And his new Elite Squad armor. And so they're they're flying into Onderon and they're all talking. And ES1, Elite Squad 1, the one who gets shot. The smarmy like, blonde one. Yeah, is like, I don't know why we need clones. We're just as good. I don't know why you're here, old man. And Crosshair is like, I got a toothpick I can kill all of you with, but whatever. <laughs> And then ends up killing him later. So he gets his revenge. But then when Crosshair is alone, and how would a clone who is alone feel? Imagine being an alone clone. An alone clone is the saddest clone. Because more than with 
the other clones who have like kind of replaceability. The relationship between Heavy and Fives and Echo and Rex and Jesse and Kicks and Cody is all kind of like, yeah, this is the new guy. He replaces the old guy. We're, you know, vaguely interchangeable except for names. But the Bad Batch has always had this very tight bond. And Crosshair is missing that. Yeah, I thought Replacements was full of really beautiful mirrored moments. The A plot and the B plot were mirrors of each other. And there was mirroring happening all over the place as the Elite Squad is replacing clone troopers, as Omega is replacing Crosshair, Mm -hmm. as Crosshair is sitting alone while Omega is surrounded by family. I did think it was very, very beautiful I just, I keep coming back to cut and run because I think it was a more emotionally sophisticated episode for me. I think there's a lot going on also. Well, you know, I was looking at our website at the cryometer and the deserter arc hit me right in the feels. That is the most I've cried in a Clone Wars episode. And I was like, yeah, whatever, family. And now we come back to cut and you're like... You know, but I don't have to cry over Cut because Cut is doing great. Cut has the skills and abilities and priorities to keep his family safe. That is his MO. I am not worried about Cut and Sue and the kiddos. They're doing great. I'm very worried about Crosshair because Crosshair does not have anything. He does not have his freedom. He does not have his own mental stability. He does not have his own priorities. He does not have his family. He does not have anyone coming after him. He also doesn't have any checks and balances because he always, even back in season seven, he was the one who would inflict more violence and Hunter would tone him down. Yeah. What I was getting to with going back to Cut and Run is that I initially thought it was really shady to have Cut Laquane as the deserter clone who had the wherewithal and the individuality to say, I'm not going to fight this war. I want something different. Mm -hmm. And then you keep panning over to Crosshair and replacements who really, even before his inhibitor chip was working fully, he seems to have really leaned into Order 66 of his own volition. Yeah. Like he has the personality type that just lent itself to following these really callous orders. I think he has sort of the sniper's mind that there is a specific target to hit that is the first domino. It's like the load-bearing person, the load-bearing boss. And once you do that, then you've done your job. And so saying we've now added new targets to your target list is less of a push for him. Hmm. Because for for example, for Wrecker, it's like kill more things. He's like, okay. And for Hunter, Hunter has to be this tactical mastermind mm-hmm. of moving his pieces in play to solve the objective. And he has to do it without any reinforcements or anything. So and tech can logic his way through it. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, eventually. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And Echo Echo has his own set of circumstances to deal with. Echo is a profoundly damaged physically and emotionally person. Mm -hmm. And we don't see a lot of it, but we see 
a little. He's still got his very cool. He's still a freaking arc trooper. <laughs> yeah. he's still, he still is like a sneakity, sneakity, steal stuff, sneakity, sneakity. And then unfortunately he can't open the clamps or Wrecker has to do it. But he's he's kicking butt the whole episode. I think Echo is really making his way in the galaxy. He is. And I really look forward to seeing his character grow and evolve. But Crosshair, it's it's not as much of a stretch for him. There was that very lovely moment between Hunter and Omega on the moon when Hunter is tracking and Omega is saying, can I learn how to track like you? And he's like, I don't know, because this is my special thing. Mm -hmm. And Tech has his special thing and Wrecker has his special thing. And then Omega says, yeah, and so does Crosshair. Mm -hmm. And Hunter gets very growly, growly, mumbly, mumbly. Mm -hmm. And Omega's like, what's wrong? And Hunter says... I'm angry at myself because we don't leave each other behind. And then Omega grabs his arm and she says, okay, then we'll go back for him. Yeah. And I was like, that is so lovely. Mm -hmm. Yes, you should go back for him. Yeah. Wow. So you can feel complete again because this is a family. Yeah, that is that is some heavy emotions right there. I think it was Omega saying, I'm not a replacement for Crosshair. He is your family. We do still need to go back for him. This hole will not get filled on its own. Yeah. Speaking of Order 66, though, mm. with the inhibitor chip scanner and Wrecker having headaches. Oh, no. <gasps> I thought he bonked his head in the crash. Maybe. No, Sam, you can't do this to me. Oh, no. <gasps> So there is tension moving forward. I don't know if I can handle a wrecker-sized human going after Jedi. That seems real bad. That seems real dangerous. Yeah, he's scary. He's a force user. He doesn't know his own strength. Oh my god. Do you think that wrecker I don't I don't say this to be mean. Do you think Wrecker's so dumb that it just took a lot more time for the inhibitor <laughs> chip to work its way through his brain? Maybe. <laughs> he has, when, when he's not wearing his helmet, he has a absolutely massive scar on the left side of his head. Yeah, you know? like he got blastered. And his left eye doesn't work. So he's just like, I, he might only be halfway there. Like he might have been the <laughs> smartest of all of them. He might have been the he might have been the full on Uber clone oh until God. he got half of his brain shot off. Oh no! Well, that is horrifying, and I don't like it at all. That is definitely pretty scary. Not happy with this turn of events. I guess the last thing that I want to talk about, partially because I want to distract myself from thinking about Wrecker's inhibitor chip working. Fair. I feel like I'm taking these episodes very much at face value. Mm -hmm. I think if I were more critical as a person and as a watcher, I would be putting Bad Batch to a higher standard. It was the year of our Lord 2021 when these were coming out. And I think people do demand more from storytelling as time moves on because there has been more time to reflect critically on film and television and Mm -hmm. storytelling and how you tell your stories and who gets to be in your stories. So if I were to put on my critical lens, I guess I would be asking, how did these two episodes advance the story? What picture are they painting? Wow. 
At this point, the only advancement in the story from the end of Aftermath to now is they're out a replacement conductor, inductor piece. Flux capacitor. Flux capacitor. And that's it. However, there's a lot of seeds being planted. Yeah. And that is something that's super important throughout the Clone Wars. And that's what that's like a difference between the Clone Wars and later on the Bad Batch versus some of the other media is that there's so many seeds planted. We planted a seed with Rex was just through here. We planted a seed with I'm building an inhibitor chip scanner to check our brains. Don't know if it'll work or not. We planted a seed with these chain codes, with Rampart, with the replacements, with Crosshair having his elite squad. We're moving the plot along and we're doing it in fits and starts and we're doing it slowly as well as building the relationships between Hunter and Omega and Wrecker so far and hopefully some more later. Yeah, yeah. And I I also think we're 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 shedding light on other parts of the story too, the big story arcs. The Republic is being eaten up by yeah. imperial policies. Loyalty to the Empire is not intangible. It is becoming a form of currency. Yeah. Like the Elite Squad said, you can trade your loyalty to the Empire for food and shelter and a job and security and career opportunities. When Rampart started the episode, was he an admiral? He was at least a vice admiral. And then Tarkin promotes him to admiral by the end of the episode because of his new idea about the chain codes and the elite squad. I gotta say, the hands-on of Tarkin, because he's been spending all this time on Kamino, and then Rampart's like, yeah, I introduced chain codes across the galaxy, and I got this elite squad idea. Like, these are high-level dudes doing a lot of hands-on work. They are busy boys. They are busy. The other big story thing that I think we see is that the safe harbors for the Bad Batch are shrinking. Very much so, and that lends it a distinctly Western feel, and I think that's important. Okay. Star Wars has always been a Western. Space Western. It's a space Western, and it's also a samurai movie. Which, and it's like, also Arthurian legend. Yeah, so cram that all together. <laughs> put, and, it in, put it in a smoothie blender yep, and the, with get, the Django juice. Yeah, the Django juice. So the prequel era is a lot less Western. It's yeah. got these Western elements with Hondo, basically, who's a cowboy. I would call it a cowboy. lot more... Asian. Yeah, it's very much like a bunch of samurai doing samurai stuff. And like Padme's Mongolian royalty vibe, all of it. And also, there's a lot of intrigue. Mm. And a Western is distinguished by almost a lack of intrigue in that everything is pretty straightforward. It's not a mystery. It's all about individual heroism. Mm. But It's also about travel and moving from safety to safety, and there's unsafe in between. And Mm. you're pressing away from something. And the whole Western genre in the U.S., although lots of countries have a similar frontiersmanship genre, notably Russia and China um, in different directions. But in the U.S., so much of the Western genre is a bunch of cowboys who were soldiers in the Civil War. And that is what the clones are as well. There are ex-soldiers who are like, I no longer want to be a soldier. I want to find my fortune somewhere else. But my skills are basically guns. And the system is working actively against me. 
Yeah. So I have to work outside of the system. Or I don't, I no longer trust a government either because I was on the other side of this war or because I saw my battle brothers die due to incompetence. I no longer wish to subscribe to society for some amount of time, so I'm going to seek my fortune elsewhere. Wow. I had not picked up on that. So, I mean, that's like the West. That's that's Django Unchained more than it is Bad Batch Unchained. But No, I love it. I see all of the influences that you're speaking about in the Bad Batch. So that is what they're up to. You know, it's a bunch of battle brothers, and they're headed off. And they're not really, I mean, they're not samurai, they're ronin, but they're not even that. They're just soldiers. And yeah. we're, we're very much becoming more of a Western. And that is a shift and a change from what Star Wars has been up until now. I love that. That is delightful. It fills a firefly-shaped hole in my heart. So. <laughs> yes. Is it that time? Time for Bad Watch. All right. Sam, who's your bae? Ah, man, I gotta go first. My bae is Cut LaQuain. Cut LaQuain. the deserter, the man, the myth, the legend. He of the beautiful family, adorable kiddos, lovely wife, wonderful life. Cut Laquane. So, okay. The Bad Batch. You have the brains. You have the brawn. You have the sneaky boy. You have the sneaky, the long distance sneaky boy. You have the robo. And then. The delightful one. The the child. All right. Oh, so that's the that's child. their team. They're all exhibiting these external traits, which you would want in like your superhero squad or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Cut Laquain is an actual fully fleshed out character who is a human being. Ooh. And so in the realm of the mad gods of Star Wars, of, of all literature, everything is kind of flanderized to an extreme where each character becomes more and more a satire of themselves. Everyone gets juiced up into kind of the either the platonic ideal of their traits or just they, they get really hammy. Yeah. Cut is the center. He is what it means to be human. Also, uh, not giving bad dad advice. Giving great Sue and Cut together are giving great parenting advice. Like, honestly, if <laughs> if parents took it, the advice from Cut and Sue, you would have good parents. Like that's that's the main advice. Cut and Sue are raising extremely well-adjusted children. Surprisingly so, considering that, like, oh yeah, daddy's an outlaw and can't go into town, so mom has to do that, which is also <laughs> a super Western story. Yeah. And so Cut is Cut is my guy. I also love his his separation, his non-attachment from the rest of the clones. Yeah, he, he stands so far apart. Even that greeting that Cut and Sue give the Bad Batch. They're yeah. like, oh, here's some more clones who lost their way. Yeah. And he doesn't think of himself as a clone anymore. Or Sue is being like, hey, Cut, here's some more clones who lost their way like you. <laughs> but his non-attachment's really cool because 
Rex came through yesterday, didn't ask where he was going, and he didn't tell me. That speaks to separating out from the military hierarchy. He doesn't have any need to know, but also he fully respects everyone's privacy. And that shows the Bad Batch. He's like, yeah, if you guys were hunting Rex, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you where he is. I'm not going to tell him where you are. I'm not going to tell anyone where anyone is because I'm minding my own business. And as a child of the Western Slope of Colorado, (laughs) where minding your own business is like number one, two, and three in morals to have, (laughs) I really appreciate that. I really, I really appreciate someone who, who works hard for a living, who minds their own business and is still affable and well-adjusted enough to know how to how to raise a family. You know what I love is that what I remember from the deserter arc from season two of The Clone Wars is that Cut Quain was teaching Rex that he is an individual and that he's not this cookie cutter clone stamped out of the mold. He is able to make his own choices. And that's why Rex eventually decides not to turn cut in. Yeah. And Rex felt so attached to cut and found so much kinship that he came back years later. After Order 66. After everything that he has known was turned on its head, he lost all of his brothers. He has nobody but Ahsoka to lean on. He comes back to cut Laquane for a safe harbor. And I think that's beautiful. We don't even know if Ahsoka and Rex are together. We don't. in that Tales of the Jedi, we saw that Ahsoka is just working as a farmhand. Yeah. So they probably split up to go their separate ways. And Rex was like, where can I go? I can go to cut Laquane. Yeah. I love that. I aspire to be so much. To be a safe harbor for people. Aww. I love that. Who is your bad watch? Who's my bad? It's gotta be Wrecker. Wrecker. (laughs) My number one fan favorite trope is when someone builds a bedroom for a kiddo. (laughs) Is that too neat? Because I love it. (laughs) So did you read the boxcar kids? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I wanted to be the boxcar kids. (laughs) I can vividly remember the first lunch that the boxcar kids have after the oldest brother gets the job mowing lawns. Mm -hmm. And he comes back and he brings them like a loaf of bread and a carton of milk and an apple. And he's like, don't worry, I can bring you more. And I'm like, I want to be one of you. As a child growing up, my dad acquired a old narrow gauge boxcar to use as a, a shed and piece of art. And it was so haunted and stinky and horrible (laughs) and painting it was like the worst punishment because it takes six days and a billion gallons of paint because the wood's a hundred years old. Sam and I had different upbringings. I like to romanticize my life. (laughs) I just, boxcars are overrated. All right. Give me a caboose any day. That might be so, but the gun turret that uncle wrecker turns into a beautiful bedroom for Omega. It's got the string lights. It's got the Lula doll. It's got the curtains. That's, like, where did Wrecker find all of this that's, stuff? That's Wrecker's Lula doll. I know. That he gave to Omega. Oh, my God. I can't. Uncle Wrecker forever. <laughs> Daddy Cut Laquane forever. 
Zaddy Hunter <laughs> forever. Clones make the best families and I love them so much. <laughs> That's my bad watch. All right. All right, Sam, what are we watching next week? Well, we're watching more Bad Batch. More Bad Batch! Season one, episode four and five, Cornered and Rampage. Rampage. This is what I say to myself when I need to do a lot of work that I procrastinated on in exactly 37 minutes. I'm like, okay, Rampage! Yeah, be a Rampage. So... As always, you can find us on social media, whichever social medias there are, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And please join us on our Patreon for Spice Run or Naval History Minute or what have you. You can find us at Growing Up Skywalker, wherever you skywalk. New to this year, we have all of our back catalog of stuff on Patreon available for all tiers. So we are super grateful for your support. However you can give it to us or will give it to us or want to give it to us. Yeah. If you can pay the lowest monthly tier, which is $3 a month, then you have access to everything we've ever put on the Patreon because we are so grateful for you. And thank you for your support. And send this episode to your favorite uncle who's kind of like your faux uncle your funkle Mm -hmm. and they're definitely your funkle too because they're a lot of fun send it to that person send it to whoever killed that sentence send it to (laughs) send Send it it to whoever taught me the english language because they deserve punishment you're a writer (laughs) send it to your dad send this episode to your zaddy find a zaddy if not find a zaddy your (laughs) life will be better (laughs) and we'll see you next tuesday bye bye